Welcome to the Paul Bunyan Podcast. It's Joe joined by Mike. Uh, Chris was not able to make it on this episode, but he will be back in the future. Tag team. Tag not, team. Not a six-man this week. Tag team. we got two Michigan-Michigan State games to get to, uh, recapping rivalry games, as well as some other Big Ten tournament stuff to get into on this episode. So the basketball version of the Paul Bunyan uh, rivalry. No trophy, though. Though that would be fun. Do they really have many college basketball I don't trophies? Think, I don't think there are any trophies no. involved in college basketball. No, not unless you win in March. You know, yeah. conference. I mean, Michigan did get a trophy. They did. After it went on Thursday night. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, definitely that night you saw fans pumped and stuff. But there's, like, kind of a feeling. I think the feeling would be lessened if they knew the status of Eli Brooks. Yeah, but when you get molly whopped by Illinois, and then you split with a Michigan State team that hasn't had nearly a successful season, it's kind of like, eh. um, I'm sure you know Michigan last year definitely had a better, at least so far, a better season than Michigan State did this year. But Michigan last year yeah. was looking like a six seed, where Michigan State was like, we're a two seed, and right. if we had been playing this way the whole season, we'd be a one seed. So yeah, I'm sure it's a when you feel like you're the better team, of you kind of want to sweep that series, right? Yeah, um, no, last year I wasn't happy with the the split. I mean, obviously, whenever you lose to a rival, you're never going to be happy. But yeah, as a Michigan State fan. Coming out of the week one and one, or coming out of the series one and one, rather, I was very happy about that because, frankly, it's it's one of the worst Michigan State teams I've ever seen and one of the best Michigan teams that we've ever seen. Obviously, the Eli Brooks injury plays a big part in the game. Don't know how it would have gone in, in game two in East Lansing if Brooks had played the whole time. But I, I, I just thought Michigan State's effort and toughness was ratcheted up a lot from – Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I think part of there was, we'll get into it. There was a lot of things happening in the games, uh, especially game, the second game versus the first game. Um, but real quick, while we're on that, Donovan Thomas, who he has his own, po- he, he's a co-host of his own podcast. Uh, I haven't, I can't say I listen a lot. I do enjoy following him though, but he was talking about Michigan, Michigan state hoops the last five season, 2017 split. 2018 U of M sweep, 2019 MSU sweep. That was the year MSU went 3-0, and right? Yep. And I actually think in 2018, if Michigan would have got Michigan State at Chrysler, I think that would have been. Yeah. What was weird, especially since those seasons were back-to-back, it was less of a question about one team being the superior team. I think – the teams that swept the other. I just think it was matchup problems more than anything. Yeah, because you look at that 2018 Michigan State team, they were 28. They won the Big Ten. Yeah, they won the Big Ten going away. They were 28 and three in the regular season. And then that 2019 Michigan team only lost three or four other games outside of playing Michigan State. They were a number two team. And I think if they hadn't gotten. They, they, they got the worst possible three-seed matchup for yeah, them. Yeah, Texas Tech. Yeah, they were a top-ten team that year for sure. And they would have, I mean, under most circumstances, I think they would have been at least in the Elite Eight. Uh, tw- 2020 split with an unranked U of M and a ranked MSU. 2021 split with an unranked MSU and a ranked U of M. <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. weird recent <laughs> history. And actually, um, obviously, Izzo – once he kind of got the ball rolling with his program, because the first two years they were like 500, right? Yeah. Kind of weirdly like 500. Uh, then, you know, he got the tournament streak going. Obviously, he dominated U of M. It was kind of right. It was kind of, while, while he was on the uprise, U of M was dealing with uh, 
the was it Ed Martin, the Ed yep. Martin scandals, and like uh, just kind of the backlash of all those. So Not investing of, in their program too. Yeah, uh, Chrysler probably needed to be renovated in the early nineties. By the time you get to when they finally did it, twenty years later, it right. was long it was overdue. Like 2011 or yeah, 12. it was like a musty seventies relic. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but not with a few exceptions here and there. It, uh, Michigan State had a very good to great season almost every year. I think you, if we went back, you would probably know better than me, Joe. Maybe like an eight seed here, you know. Yeah. But for the most part, for the most part, like he's usually. Think maybe Getting the final the four weekend. as an eight seed or something like that one year, right? Yeah, 2015, they made the final four as a seven seed. I was thinking more in a two th- the aughts. Yeah, but- I made it as a five seed in 05, and then as a five seed again in 2010. Picked up some Big Ten regular season championships, some right. Big Ten tourney championships. Obviously, Michigan State has more of those than any other program. And meanwhile, U of M's struggling. But then once Beeline, kind of in the same way, has horrible first year but it was kind of a Mel Tucker thing where the program had been decimated, kind of weirdly overachieves in the second year, then weirdly underachieves the third year. By the fourth year, he has things going. Right. Kind of like Izzo took a couple years to get going. And then once Beeline arrived, the rivalry got really interesting. Right. That's where it became a a series of runs. Like every time John Beeline beat Michigan State, it came in a run of three games. He never just won and then lost and then won and then lost. And you could kind of see that all with, came in groups of three. And it was kind of weird. And you pointed this out before. U of M would do the same thing. It was kind of weird. They would go on winning yeah. streaks and then and then lose three in a row. Right. Exactly. It was kind of weird. And but uh, the first few years definitely had Izzo dominating uh, for several years. First twelve or thirteen years, minus yeah. his first couple years as the coach. Uh, I'm trying to find a tweet I found, but it. Reference the success of Michigan, Michigan State. If you combine them, like um, I think Michigan, between Michigan and Michigan State, they have something like six of the last nine Big Ten regular season championships, and then uh, I think that includes the one they shared. I wish I could find the right tweet, the right tweet, but then five of the last six tourney championships, Big Ten tournament championships too, including Uh, the last. Four, yep. Going, going to one of them. Yeah, it was kind of weird because you know they had the vacate. Michigan won the first ever with, uh, as Chris referenced, Robert uh, Tractor Trailer, Maurice Taylor. Um, I think Maceo Baston was on that team. Um, had been a pretty good team the whole year, I believe. And sorry, people, if you want to nitpick, this is going back <laughs> twenty three years. They finished like fourth in the Big Ten. They had like a pretty good year. It would be like if Purdue or. Like if Purdue well, won this year. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Ohio would like State, but Ohio State things. was really hot at certain times. Yeah. Uh, and then they win the Big Ten tournament. And, like, they had been a good team all year. They were, like, projected to be a four or five in the tur- in the big tournament, finished with a three seed. And then for whatever reason, even when Beeline was really good, it felt like Michigan kind of underachieved in the, tur- in the Big Ten tournament. I remember there was one year – where um, it was really a five-team race in 2013, and Michigan finished fifth because they kind of finished yeah, with uh, Indiana, Ohio State, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Michigan took Indiana to the wire. Yeah, uh, both it was, times they played. Yeah, in the tournament too. Uh, and I think that te- the, between the two teams, they had 11 guys that ended up playing, being on NBA rosters at one yeah, point. Yeah, it was just an insanely loaded both those rosters and the Big Ten as a whole that year. Anyway, we really got off track. about (laughs) Thursday night. um, Um, I'll peek behind the curtain real quick, but these type of talks between Joe and I (laughs) were pretty much the the, the, what started the podcast. (laughs) We're like, these discussions, if we recorded this, people would probably like to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to Thursday night, a 69-50 win for Michigan. What I noticed for Michigan State is they kind of held their own for about the first six, seven minutes or so. And Michigan went on like a 24-7 run or something like that. Just really broke the game open. Michigan State had a horrible shooting night was 0 for 9 from three-point line. Some of those, too, I want to say in real time, they only took, like, six. Yeah. Because I remember, like, by garbage time, I remember specifically two Hauser ones. And then, uh, so, I mean, 
Like, you want to make them regardless, right. but I also feel like you want to take more than six. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. That's that's kind of like one of the points I brought up on our previous episode was, like, Michigan State's going to pull in Illinois, which I didn't think they were going to ever win by 20 or anything. But, you know, if they were going to outplay Michigan, it was going to have to involve some hot shooting, and that certainly did not happen Thursday night. Uh, the Michigan played great, very good defense. They uh, did, yeah. Uh, there's been some rivalry talk, as you always see on the internet, with uh, people saying, hey, you know, Franz Wagner should have been Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and at the very least, you got to pull him on the first right, team all defense. Even on first no. team. And some are like, well, did you see what Aaron Henry did to him Sunday? Well, look at what Franz did on Thursday. Right. Like, that was the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and credit to Henry for having a good game on Sunday. But on Thursday night, I thought he really took Aaron Henry out of his game at points. There was one point when it was still close. Aaron Henry has that reverse layup. Um, It doesn't go in. Uh, On the other side, Michigan quickly takes it down the court. There's a missed layup of their own. Brandon Johns tips in. That's a four-point swing. And at that point, the game was so low scoring, it was a big swing. And it felt like from that point, Michigan really took control of the game overall. Um, also, and Henry still had 14 points that that night, but he he was far and away the team's leading scorer. Like Sissoko was the only one who came close to double digits aside from him. He had eight. What I thought worked for Michigan State well on Thursday was when Michigan would go to zone, they would uh, switch and they'd have Mike Smith. Uh, on Aaron Henry, and um, which was a favorable yeah. Michigan State matchup. Well, for some reason, Michigan didn't trash that zone, and they played it on Sunday. They broke it out quite a few times on Sunday. And I don't know if it's because of no Eli Brooks or what, but there was a lot of Mike Smith on Aaron Henry, which goes very bodes very well for Michigan State. It felt like a lot of Mike Smith on Rocket Watts as well, who Watts, I believe, only had two points or maybe even zero or he had six points Thursday night in 22 minutes. But he, he sat the last 17 minutes of the game because Izzo was upset with how he did not go after a loose ball. Yeah. So he didn't get the start on Sunday. A.J. Hogard got the start. But Watts came in, and it, it was just the Rocket Watts that we've been wanting to see since the Duke game. Like, that was the best he looked since that Duke-Detroit Mercy stretch in December. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the most points he scored in three months, over yeah. three months, early December. I saw the most he had scored since then had was topped off at 13. And that course, was the Illinois game. And not to dump on the guy, but, you know, he's gotten criticism on this podcast. Torvik has him as the lowest rated offensive player in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, rating. He's not been shooting well. No, and he shot very well on Sunday. He um, did. Part of the reason Michigan State won that game – there's really two reasons for me on Sunday. One, they out-rebounded Michigan, and part of the thing that has me salty about that is part of rebounding's effort. Right. Eli Brooks is a very good rebounding guard, but he's a guard. Right, and he's uh, also like one of the smaller guys on the team too. Yeah, he's six foot two, but he rebounds well. You know, uh, I think Dick Vitale, who did he do the first game? He did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which made it all the more less. Magic Johnson, Fab Five, uh, uh, Mateen <laughs> Cleese, right? yeah. Glenn Rice, baby. Uh, oh, Eli Brooks, he's a little guy that rebounds. He's like Charlie Bell. Every, like, every, every single Michigan State game that I've watched that Dick Vitale has broadcast, it takes him like two minutes until he brings up Magic Johnson. If he it stops there, I'd be, okay. I'd be he okay. He always finds a way to work Magic Johnson. As a Johnson Michigan fan, I never knew Magic Johnson as a Michigan State <laughs> player because he played before, well before I was born. Right. I, uh, I I grew up on late 80s, early 90s basketball, so I hated the Celtics, but I respected them. I loved the bad boys, and even though the Showtime Lakers were our rivals, they were kind of the rivals I kind of respected. Right. I loved that Magic Johnson was like the six foot eight guy that was fast, and they played that. <laughs> Anyway, if, if Vital left it there, like, I'm okay with the nostalgia right. of Magic Johnson. But he, he mentioned it. Like, Aaron Henry made a nice I – th- I think it was, like, the dunk that Aaron Henry made after he split defenders. And the words out of Dick Vitale's mouth were just Magic Johnson. Like, that who, doesn't have anything to who do. Who was that uh, very good um, uh, 
Oh, man, I can't, I'm trying to think of a way to describe him. He was a really good Indiana player. He played during the 2013 year. Oladipo? Yes. He would always compare him to Michael Jordan. Yeah. I didn't see time. it. Like, maybe a little bit. Right. I'm really oh, yeah, glad. I gave you a very poor. <laughs> <laughs> but every time he would. But, yeah, Dick Vitale is horrible. Yeah. Um, but uh, rebounding. And then the other thing was. Michigan State was making shots that Michigan wanted them to take. Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, uh, Rocket I, Watts was hitting these. Like he, he was getting to the free throw line, not like shooting free throws, but like getting to his spot and pulling up from the three from the free throw line all day. Like he he had that shot. I think a lot of his field goals. He he shot eight of sixteen from the field. And um, a lot of Michigan's defense is is um. Is getting you to not take close shots, not take three pointers, but to take mid rangers. That's what they yeah. want you to take. And you know, you kind of expect Henry into and Langford to maybe make some of those. You don't expect Rocket Watts, right? And then I think Hauser provided a lift off the bench. As oh, he well. played his best game in a long time too. Yeah. One of his best of the year. Uh, Gay Brown, one of the reasons you didn't necessarily, especially on Thursday, see him shooting threes, is uh, Michigan. When their defense is going well, they can just shadow Gabe Brown, especially if right. Watts and Hauser aren't doing anything. It's like, okay, we just have to worry about Brown, Henry, and uh, Langford. And they might get theirs, but Michigan State, when they're not playing well, when Hauser and Rocket Watts are struggling, you have less players to worry about, especially when you have um, Michigan has uh, so many good defenders from Brown to Brooks right. to Franz to Livers. One, one thing that piqued my interest was the fact that Thomas Kithier did not play at all on Sunday. After Thursday and, night, I can see why. Yeah, because he he played credit, credit where credit's due. Like he he played Trace Jackson Davis the best out of any of the bigs. He he probably has the most knowledge out of any of the bigs in terms of like knowing what spot to be in on offense and defense. But he was just getting worked so easily by Hunter Dickinson Thursday night. And I thought Bingham and Marble did a, a very good job on Dickinson. He only had five points up until the last uh, like three minutes of the game. He ended, I think he finished with 12 or 13, but those were kind of like late impact points. He really didn't have too much of an impact yeah, on the first 35 yeah, him minutes. Him and Franz didn't really seem to wake up till near the end of the game. He had seven, I believe, seven points against Kithier in two minutes. Yeah. I could not believe that Kithier only played two minutes. I'm sure to him and Izzo, it felt longer than two minutes. Right. But that was a big stretch in the game, too, because it was like, whoa. And then, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but Michigan State looks better when Foster Lawyer and Kithier don't play. I, yeah, I, no, that's, that's fair. I, I give more of a break to Foster Lawyer because I do think Foster Lawyer is like a good basketball player, just pocket size. Like, it's very unfortunate sizing for him you know <laughs> if he if he was just a little bit taller a little bit like lengthier i mean we've said like oh maybe they could play four minutes or maybe eight but i don't know and uh to be fair too and i probably good that chris is on this episode because it's his <laughs> guy austin davis you know i've always said he's a one-dimensional player had a rough couple first couple of years but really seemed to figure things out on the offensive side and we know what we're getting on the defensive side yeah he yeah he he was a big reason Michigan State won on Sunday, too. Mar Marcus Bingham was really impacting the game Sunday, especially when Davis was in was in the game. But with the way Bingham was playing, it forced them to have to put Dickinson in when Dickinson had three fouls at that point in the second half. Like, they didn't want to have him out on the floor. There was no reason for Brian Johns not to play better. And yeah. I know he's had some rough stretches, too. But if you look at Austin Davis's plus-minus and then Hunter Dickinson's, it's – it's worse than you probably imagine. Uh, yeah. I also think Marcus Bingham and Brian Johns are kind of similar players, similar, somewhat similar build, builds yeah. and the fact they're both big. And both fan bases are like, oh, wow, that was an incredible play, followed by a wong, wong. <laughs> exactly. And it wouldn't surprise me, this is pure speculation, of neither guys on is with their current program next year. I, I, would, I would argue the opposite for Bingham because I do feel like Bingham – after Sunday's game and the way he's kind of played the last two weeks has started to show something. If Izzo keeps Kithier on the bench, I think it improves yes. that. And that's, that's what's been encouraging about the last, since the Indiana game or so, it seems like there's 
a rotation at the five spot where Bingham and Marble will get the majority of the minutes. The unfortunate thing for Marble is he's just a walking foul target. Like he just seems to pick up a foul instantly in the game. Brings back like shades of Raymar Morgan who would like pick up fouls like two minutes. Then where's Sissoko too? Yeah, Sissoko usually gets like a, a two to five minute stretch in the first half. And then like kind of depending on how the game is going, gets a stint in the second half as well. But they kind of got that good rotation going between Bingham and Marble. And that's what I've always wanted is for those two to start to separate because they're different builds and they have a, a little bit of a different skill set. And if you can throw both of them at a, at a big guy during the, like different stretches of a game, it can kind of like force – We've, we've been kind of saying guy. that those two should play more anyway. Yeah. But then uh... – Sissoko was rated higher than Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. So, so it's like, why Sissoko's is why isn't very he getting, raw? Yeah. yeah. Why isn't he? But still, like, it's almost, you almost want him to make some mistakes. So next year is nicer. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just like with um, AJ uh, Hogarth. Hogarth. Yeah. Right. Like, even if he makes mistakes, you know what Foster Lawyer kind of is at this point? He's a junior. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like I, I, I would have been playing Hogard and Sissoko more minutes, even if it's not starting minutes bef- before yeah. this. I, I, I think also Michigan State might not have been playing in the eight nine game if they would have done this earlier. Maybe they would have got off to a rougher start. Yeah. But I feel like once once they got that first Indiana win and then got that Illinois win, they kind of in a way backed themselves into a corner where like. They, they take the mindset of, okay, we actually have a chance if we win a few certain games to play ourselves into the tournament. We unfortunately like can't afford now some freshman mistakes from Hogard and Sissoko because that's the way I wanted them to go after that second Purdue loss was to just kind of gear up for next season, but then they ended up with their backs against the wall. I don't think it's totally up. worrying about next season too, when right. you have Henry and you have Lankford and you have Gabe Brown. And also, I mean, Gabe Brown should have been playing more. He's a junior now, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And it's not like you didn't see some flashes last year. So, yeah, I mean, but the main thing is, I don't know. It just seemed like obvious to me that lawyer and Kithier were having struggles oh, early yeah. That in we were talking about how Michigan State could maybe do hockey shifts. They have all this depth, but uh, but real quick, kudos to Franz Wagner. Uh, he played really well on Thursday. I was kind of frustrated with him on Sunday. I didn't realize that he was also kind of hurt. Um, he was limping by the end of the game. Uh, didn't make the biggest impact offensively either day, which yeah. really hurt Michigan's offense, particularly on Sunday. He was also coming off one of the best weeks that I had seen. Uh, and actually, so was Hunter Dickinson before that Illinois game. They were both playing amazing and both have struggled a bit since, especially on offense. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think both teams were tired. Um, I don't think you can use that as excuse because they played right. similar schedules, but against they other both teams. They played Tuesday, then Thursday, then Sunday. I mean, going back to the end of – February. Yeah. What are, uh, yeah, it's two or three weeks, you know. Both teams have really put a lot of games in. Um, I think that's nice that Michigan gets the double bye. Yeah. Uh, to help with that. And we'll get into it on the next segment, but that's also why I'm not super upset about Michigan State's early exit from the Big Ten tournament. But, yeah, the Michigan win Sunday, it was really nice. Uh, I've, I've kind of Michigan been in this. Michigan State win. Yeah, sorry. Right. I'm, I've, I meant from the perspective. Oh, my playing bad. Michigan. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I've kind of been watching Michigan State's games the last two weeks with this mindset of I'm not ready to believe Michigan State's going to win this game until like something happens that late in the game that shows me, okay, this is actually going to be it. And the moment for me Sunday was Josh Langford hitting the three off – against the zone defense after Michigan had cut what was once an 11-point lead down to two. There was under a minute and a half remaining, I believe. And then, yeah, that shot he hit, it wasn't over Chandy Brown because, like I said, Michigan was in the zone defense. But it was, like, right in the corner, right in front of the Michigan State bench. Izzo said before Lankford even caught the ball, he was telling him to shoot it. And it, it was kind of a nice senior moment for Langford. He didn't get to do the whole midcourt kiss as you exit the game moment, you know, but he, 
for all we know, he might be back next year as a six-year <laughs> player for his third senior day. But well, um, the third senior day is always your best. Exactly. He's now played during three different presidential yeah. administrations, as I told you. But I, I thought Michigan State had a legit chance to win the game when they were up by four at halftime, and I just felt like Henry really hadn't played his best. Langford really hadn't contributed much, and Marble picked up two quick fouls. That was when I was like, okay. Michigan State, if, if Henry picks up if, – if he does what he's been doing in the second half, then they're probably going to win this game. There was three different moments for me. Um, it was close early. <clears throat> Eli Brooks makes it 7-5, but then he hurts his ankle. Yeah. And I just remember how they looked against Minnesota. So that was the first one. Second one is when Michigan came out in the second half and it didn't feel like – they were playing better. Actually, I think uh, Michigan State built on their lead. Oh, and, yeah. and just going into halftime, that's one thing. Two different stories. On Thursday, Michigan finished strong going into half, but up their lead. Michigan State did the same thing. Actually, I think Michigan was winning at one point. Like, was it 21-17 or something? And going into half, Michigan State was up by four. Yeah. Then the final one was uh, the putback dunk from Bingham. Uh, yeah. Where Dickinson always also picked up his third foul. I felt so like it was that like was a momentum Bingham shift. Missed the missed the putback dunk, but Henry poked it away from one of the Michigan players. I think it might have been Brown or Smith. And then I went to Bingham, who made it and got fouled. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the moments where I was like, okay, now I'm starting to believe a little bit more. But I'm just so cautious. I've been burnt so many times. I mean, I've also seen a lot of wins that came out of nowhere too. So I yeah. can't complain too much. And I'll get I'll get into uh, that with Michigan State when we talk about the Maryland game and where I am with the team. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it was it was it makes for good uh, fodder for this podcast that they split like this. Uh, that Michigan State to me is a for sure lock. Oh now. yeah, and that's I felt like that anyway. I was kind of downplaying it a couple weeks ago when I thought the streak was over, but the streak is is very important. I think that is what Tom Izzo prides himself on the most. It's not you know, like the amount of first round picks he's put in the NBA or like the amount of final fours he's been to. I think what he prides himself the most on is the NCAA tournament streak because that just shows consistency. Like we've seen Ohio, the Ohio States come and go. The Wisconsin's have these awesome streaks and go. Illinois has done it a couple of times, but he's just been doing it for so long. It's an, like Kansas has a longer streak, but they've done it with multiple coaches, Roy Williams yeah. and Bill Self. Is, like this, Izzo made the streak himself, and it's unless I'll, I'll be shocked if if it doesn't continue this year. I think they've more than done enough to solidify themselves. Now. I'll just say Michigan State, like Michigan, will get basketball ratings, and I thought Michigan was already in a few years ago and beating Indiana, the top yeah uh, team, just was icing they on the cake. It, yeah, and then. I was shocked when they were in the playing game, and I felt like the NCAA just did that to get people to watch. That's my fear. I kind of think, like, even though, like, Michigan State in the last few weeks have just won three, you know, if they would have beat Maryland, I don't think there's any way they could end up in the first four. I feel like right now the NCAA is so stupid, you might have given them enough rope. Yeah. Um, like I said, when they beat Indiana, I was like, oh, Michigan's definitely in. And then I'm, I'm debating if they're a 9 or a 10. And then I watch Selection Sunday, and they're in the first four, and they have it's, to play Tulsa. I'm it's like, always what? a moving target with, with the NCAA Selection Committee. Yeah. But, if Duke wasn't on COVID protocols, even if – though <laughs> I think right now – I think Lenardi has them the first one out. I think they would be in the play-in too. Right. Like you'd have Michigan State in one game, Duke in the other, just to get people to watch. Exactly. But we'll talk Big Ten tournament talk on the other side. We have the Maryland game to cover. And, I mean, and then Michigan's playing Maryland. So, Maryland right. and Maryland. We'll get into that. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who, along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. So Michigan State did not take the momentum from the Michigan win on Sunday into Indianapolis. They lost on 
Thursday to Maryland, 68-57, their second loss to Maryland in a couple of weeks. Mike, uh, I think what Michigan State had going for them Sunday against Michigan was they were more urgent. They had more urgency to them because Michigan had just clinched a Big Ten title and Michigan State was still very firmly on the bubble. And that's kind of what they had going against them against Maryland was that a lot of people felt that Michigan State was safely in the tournament now. Like they couldn't really play themselves out of it. And Maryland, after getting two bad losses to Penn State and Northwestern, the last week of the season now was viewed as outside the tournament looking in, needing to I think it depends make on where you look, though. Yeah. Some people also have them as a nine seed. Right. So, so I, I think Maryland <laughs> – I was kind of with you. From most outlets is viewed – was viewed as not in or not as safely in as Michigan State. And I, I feel like they definitely played with more urgency. Granted, Michigan State came out 15-7, I think. Uh, yeah, they led by tw- – they led 23 to 11 at one point. They were hitting shots. They just looked like they were really playing with passion. Yeah, there were a lot of free throws shot by Maryland in the first half, not a lot by Michigan State. Uh, I'm nobody not gonna likes get... Bo Borowski. Yeah, nobody likes him. Seriously, though, if you look at our Twitter feed, there's not a single fan base. Rutgers has a whole blog up about how he should be fired. So <laughs> um, He's like the new Ted Valentine. I used to hate Ted Yeah, TV Teddy. TV Teddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but if he's rough in your game, I mean, I, I sent you the stat too. Like Michigan yeah. State hasn't won when he's coached. Wisconsin has one win. Um, with Maryland too, I mean, I wouldn't say they play as physical as Wisconsin, Michigan State, but the Purdue's of the world, even to a point, Illinois, yeah. the more physical teams, you know, he just seems to love to call the fouls. I don't know if he's by the book. Uh, yeah. If he's less about the spirit of the rule, you I don't know, know. You know what I said last segment about Julius Marble being like a walking target foul, foul target? He literally picked up his first foul on the first possession. And it was an offensive foul. It was supremely questionable. He actually made the game on Thursday less watchable, too. Yeah. Like the like, pacing was horrible at times. Exactly. And it, it, had, the, it had the potential for Michigan State to like really make a statement. Like I said, it, it kind of started out back and forth, like three to two, four to three, and then Michigan State went on a run of like I don't remember the exact numbers. We're recording this the day of the game, uh, peek behind the curtain a little bit, but yeah, Maryland they just they found a matchup that worked, and then they just kept driving, and they would either get a basket or they would get fouled, and then Izzo eventually lost his cool, picked up a technical foul, and from that point. Like the Michigan State offense had really stalled as well because I believe Bingham picked up two, Hall picked up two, Marble picked up two. Yeah. Uh, I think even Langford had one that was kind of like pulled out. The reason coaches sometimes will purposely get tech is twofold sometimes to influence the calls going forward. The rats will give you the tech, but then they might be influenced a bit. Yeah. That didn't happen. And two, sometimes they'll really spark your team. And the opposite happened. That also was, did not happen. No, yeah. no. Uh, and th- didn't uh, Maryland kind of do something similar the first time, the last time Michigan State and Maryland played? First like, time they played. A lot of attacking the basket. Yeah, yeah. The only thing, the difference was, I thought. Maryland in the started game off was that, in the first game. Yeah. Michigan State. That Michigan did. State was kind of forcing Maryland early on when Michigan State had the ball to do what Michigan State wanted. And then it eventually shifted towards looking more like that first game. Um, I noticed in the first game, too, if they weren't playing zone, Maryland just kind of had a lot of guys in the paint around the basket. Um, Was there as much as that in this game? Um, Did you notice? Yeah. I mean, they they did start to attack the paint, but Maryland, they kind of don't run – like the, of your normal like three guards, one semi big man, and one true big man. Like they're kind of like sometimes five guard type players on the floor. They they like to do a lot of uh, small ball at times. Exactly, too. which you might think matches up well with Michigan State, but the way Michigan State's been playing the last couple of weeks, like they've actually figured out how to deal with a big man more than like speed. Oh yeah, and I, I mean, almost there was speed a, in space. They were almost uh, awful. Uh, I mean, they were awful at the beginning of the season oh, yeah. for a while. It was like they hadn't even played some of the elite big men too much in the Big Ten, and they like had the worst defensive yeah. rating around the basket. 
overall, like I, I've I have some positives of negatives from the loss. Like positive is that you're going to get some rest now. They're not going to leave Indy because they the whole NCAA tournament is going to be played in Indianapolis. So they're they're going to be able to buckle down. Negative, I, I thought maybe they could get some momentum going. I don't I don't always believe in momentum between games, but when I saw the way Rocket Watts played Sunday, I was hoping it would spark something. And he would kind of have like a Travis Trice type last month of the year, you know, kind of make something special. He he only finished with three points on Thursday. And positive, I I almost didn't want Michigan State to play their way out to an eight or nine seed in the tournament and like potentially have to face a number one seed in the second round. Those are the teams they play well against, though. So. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> I don't really like their chances against Gonzaga or Baylor. Or an Illinois team that's pissed off. Yeah, because <laughs> last team Illinois lost it was Michigan State. Well, you're not playing Illinois or Michigan, probably. Right. So it'd probably be Baylor. And after seeing some Gonzaga, what's the Jalen Suggs? Yeah, that guy's a baller. Yeah. Plus and they it, also got Kispert, and I think his name. Oh is yeah, Tim. they have other like guys they, too. But Suggs, yeah, Suggs would be a problem. I thought Baylor was a touch better than Gonzaga, but after seeing Gonzaga take a 13, 14 point deficit against BYU yeah. and turn that into their own, <laughs> I think, what did they win by? I think they had it up to double digits. It was like, holy cow, that's like a 27 point like swing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, luckily, I mean, Michigan State's in. Oh, that yeah. would be very embarrassing if they stayed in Indy and then Selection <laughs> Sunday. That, that would be the saddest plane ride ever home. Like, well. <laughs> if they were more firmly on the bubble, I might be advising their team maybe not to stay there. But I don't – I would be – they shouldn't be in the first play for uh, the, yeah. the playing game. I told you why they would be if they are right but, right yeah i think they're a 10 or 11 right now and i i do think they there was a chance they'd be a eight or a nine if they won right and the only way i, I would have viewed it is like if they if they also beat michigan again and then maybe they play themselves up to like a seven but there's really no difference between being a seven and a ten the only no. difference is like who you're playing first round no i mean some years you might be able to say like playing a 10 is easier than the sevens it depends on the year yeah. too oh we were talking about M. Night Shyamalan off air. We were. And he has like these really big hits, but then also these really <laughs> big misses. That's how I view Michigan State the last yep. few weeks. They beat Illinois. They beat Michigan. They beat Ohio State. But then they lose to Maryland twice. They have a poor showing against Indiana. Yeah. Um, if you go back even a little bit further, you saw these like signs of life. And like, even though Notre Dame is terrible. Um, and North Carolina took them to the woodshed the other night, turned a 12-point lead into like a 40-something point win. Oh, uh, but we saw a similar thing where, what was it, Michigan State won a what kind of run against Notre Dame? It was it was like a 26-2 run at one point against Notre Dame yeah. like to close the first half and open the second half. When I, I, was, I was so excited back when then. When I saw that North Carolina had like a 52-12 to 12 run, right, that totally that's reminded <laughs> me of that too. And you know, makes our run look like crap. <laughs> uh, but like at times, like every time I think, oh, Michigan State, they might be building to something. Like especially when I saw they got out to a nice lead against Maryland after beating Michigan, right. it was like, oh, like okay. all right, the, the corners turned. Like, yeah, yeah. I, and even more so when they beat Illinois and Ohio State in the same week. I think that Saturday they uh, uh, won, but didn't necessarily look great, right, against Indiana. So the, they, they went team, from beating Ohio State in, Indi, in Illinois to losing by 18 to Maryland and, and never then, never really, like, being in it. And then, like, the six-point win against – Okay, Indiana. that's how it was. Yeah. And I feel like Indiana's, like, giving up on their season. Yeah, I don't know what's going on between them and Rutgers now. And then Rutgers, Rutgers was winning. Rutgers, too, has been up and down this whole year where they start off real hot. Then they look bad, but Ron Harper Jr. wasn't in. Then they like played themselves up to a six seed. Yeah. And now they've kind of 
they were doing this last year at this time too. Once they firmly established they were in the tournament, they were kind of falling. Getting like wacky. Yeah, right before Rutgers, COVID. Rutgers just beat Indiana 61-50 in the, the Big Ten tournament. So a podcast divided won't be happy because Richard Patino is probably getting the boot tomorrow. And we could also maybe see Archie Miller now. I don't know if they're as big of fans of him, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. we could have a twofer tomorrow. Someone was joking. I, I don't remember if it was uh, Valenti on 97-1 or if it was Couch in the Room that Minnesota should fire Rich Patino and then go get Rick Patino. <laughs> I thought you were going to say get yeah, Archie Miller. And then, and then Indiana <laughs> hires uh, Richard Patino. <laughs> Archie Miller kind of reminds me, if you ever watched 30 Rock, of Liz Lemon's lawyer, who's like this – he's not a kid, but you could tell like he's – very young and he's wearing a suit that's like three sizes too big for him. <laughs> or uh, Liz Lemon's agent in 30 Rock. He always reminded me of a young Tony Soprano, like kid Tony Soprano. Oh yeah. So I'm uh let's see. But uh I really hope that John Beeline's done with big time basketball. And if and Archie it. Miller gets the uh axe that we don't see John Beeline return. Okay, yeah. here's a <laughs> oh yeah can you like see it a little, little bit yeah uh from a down neck episode any of the ones where they show the soprano family when yeah. uh, tony's grown up and he's a kid he, richard patino looks like the kid tony soprano yeah one thing i've kind of noticed um is that malik hall his shot has kind of started to come he hit a three against michigan hit two threes against maryland was actually the leading scorer for Michigan State against Maryland with 19 points. I believe that's a career high for him. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know for sure, but I believe it is. So maybe if Malik Hall can also kind of come on, because we, we had talked about him as the odd man out when Michigan State was rolling with that Langford, Watts, Henry, Brown lineup. But Yeah, he looks like the only one besides Aaron Henry that really showed up on the offensive side. I'm looking just from a box score, box score perspective. Yeah, I was I was hoping to see more minutes from Bingham because he was another person. I think he got 24 against Michigan and played very well. Maybe not offensively, but his his presence was felt offensively, and his main impact was on defense. Yeah, he, he had a nice play against Maryland that started a fast break when Michigan State was building their lead. Where I'm, I believe it was Dante Scott went to dunk the ball and he swiped it like with his long, lanky tree branch. I'm kind of surprised he didn't play more. Yeah, only 14 minutes against Maryland Thursday. Fifteen In 15 minutes, he got five rebounds, seven points, third most amount of points. Right. Uh, it looks like Langford had a off game. And then, uh, like you said, not a lot from Watts or Hauser. Right, uh, and then Mar- Marble only got seven minutes. Uh, looks like he picked up two. Why did Kithier play 11 minutes? I feel like when Kithier went in, Bingham had two fouls at that point, I want to say, and then Marble did as well, and Sissoko had gotten a stint. So he he got a lot of time at the end of the first half. I honestly did not watch the second half because I was at work at that point. Unfortunately, and, a lot of people had to follow on Twitter about yeah. score check. It's that time of year. I don't know. I just think you can split those minutes up between Sissoko, Bingham, and Marble. Yeah, I, it's eleven minutes. You give each guy if, three. Or if the four. game was going to be a blowout, or like you know, it was kind of trending towards blowout, I would have preferred to see more Sissoko minutes for exactly what we were the reason we were talking about on the last segment of getting the the freshman experience going. But so yeah, Michigan will be facing off against Maryland upcoming this week. Two of Michigan's best games were against Maryland. Maryland shot lights out the first time they met. Michigan was. Tip for tap with them, and then yeah. the second half, like Maryland went cold, or at least weren't as hot, and Michigan just turned it into a blowout. Uh, that was the game. Hunter Dickinson was like looking at uh, Maryland's bench. There was a lot of chirping. Right. He felt disrespected because he wasn't really recruited by Turgeron, and now you know he's one of the best freshmen in the country. Um, if there's no Eli Brooks, I really would have. I prefer to play Maryland. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think they match up better. Talk about going small ball. Uh, that's a good game to get Hunter Dickinson back in the swing of things offensively. I don't think we'll see Eli Brooks. 
I, I think it would be smart not to play. Yeah, with, I, I don't. I don't think there's any way Michigan loses a one seed. Like, there's a pretty clear no. drop off between Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, and then the rest of everybody else. I, when uh, Ohio State first started losing some games, it was like, who is the fourth best team? Right, and, and Illinois, Illinois kind of announced themselves, yeah. and that's who I feel like is going to win the Big Ten tournament is Illinois, because you also have a. Uh, uh, what's his name uh, at Iowa? That's out. Um, Wiesenkamp. Wieskamp is Wieskamp. gone. Yep, yeah. at Iowa. I I never felt like Iowa was gonna win it. I anyways. thought. I thought like Illinois. I feel like Illinois is due for like an upset. But if Michigan doesn't have Eli Brooks, which I mean I know that wouldn't be an upset. Yeah. And Iowa doesn't have Wieskamp. Like I don't know Purdue. Like I could see them maybe yeah, meandering to a win. Ohio State. I kind of feel like is due for the what. The up down theory. I feel like Illinois is like due to get like due to get a wake up call. Yeah, and uh, Ohio State played uh, Illinois really tough last Saturday, and I could see a revenge game there. I feel like what Illinois has going for them in the Big Ten tournament specifically is they're kind of pissed off that they had a really good year and then they didn't get a Big Ten championship trophy or banner to show for it, and they I think. I don't know this for certain, but I, I have a feeling inside that locker room, they're like, we want to make this thing official. We want to win the Big Ten. Like, I think if they of, face the full-strength Michigan, though, that what happened to Michigan last time could happen happened. to Illinois. Yeah. I think it bothered some Michigan fans and, uh, you know. And some players. Yeah, yeah. They said something. You've seen some guys say it a little bit, yeah. a couple things when asked about it. Also – it's kind of stupid because it came out that there was a vote two weeks ago about how to settle something like this. And Illinois AD, who's publicly asking like or publicly acting like a freaking like message a board fan, <laughs> voted in favor of win percentage being the determining factor. Right. Because you knew everybody knew it was a possibility that there was going to be an, an even amount of games played for everybody. And, this, so. and I believe, too, when I read the article, that that was the second time they voted. They had a vote at the beginning of season two for the same thing. Huh. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want Eli Brooks to be risked, uh, take a risk and right. uh, play, like especially for what, something that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Right. The best thing you could get out of the Big Ten tournament, hypothetically, would be like playing together really well. But I feel like Michigan does that a has been doing that all year for yeah. the most part. So and there's like been like numbers about momentum coming from the early to mid March and going in a tournament, and yeah. it's not a real thing. I mean, Michigan fans might think it is because it's kind of yeah. paid off for them. And no, I've I've seen plenty of Michigan State teams go to the Big Ten tournament and lose right away, and then make a run in March. I've seen Michigan State teams make a run in the Big Ten tournament and then do nothing in March. Yeah, so, you know it's. it's there's not really that much of a correlation. Like that's why I value the regular season Big Ten championship so much more than the tournament championship. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 Maryland's a favorable matchup. We're recording this Thursday night, so if they lose, <laughs> just know that. Um, and then who, who, who is Michigan looking to get on the other side? That would be the would four be, or five, right? Yeah. So, so Purdue uh, or, or Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yep. Uh, so then Where's uh, Michigan. Beat Purdue twice, hand, pretty handily, right? Or at least once. They, yeah, I know they won at Mackey. They and definitely, then obviously, that was like the first big, big road win. Yeah, and then obviously had that great game with Ohio State a few weeks ago in mm-hmm. Columbus, and that was their only mat- meeting of the season. Wow. Uh, so I feel like Wisconsin's falling off a cliff. Yeah. They're the sixth seed, and then Iowa's without Wieskamp. So Illinois really does have a favorable Exactly. <laughs> I feel like maybe we see Illinois and Purdue in the in the title game just because I just feel like Purdue's kind of rolling right now, and they're – not that there's so much of a home court advantage, but they are in Indianapolis. Like, I just – yeah, Purdue and those are Purdue and Ohio State. I think are two of the teams that could knock Illinois or a full strength uh, Michigan team. But yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I would. It's it's kind of anyone's game that's really made right now for Illinois to take it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I I think there's a chance that Eli Brooks doesn't play the first game in the 
big tournament. And I think there's a chance he doesn't play in the round two either. Okay. If Michigan uh, makes it there. Right. We, we've I would yet hope so. to hear any word. Like, all, all we've got to go on right now is speculation. It looked like a bad sprain. Like, as somebody who's. Charles Matthews had a similar one around the same time. Yeah. Uh, in 2018. 19. 19. And then he didn't play till the Sweet 16 game. Yeah. So, like, so, just as somebody who's, who's done that a couple of times, like, I, I saw that happen. I'm like, oof, that sucks. He just made a really good move to get that basket to make it seven to five and then just landed on the back of Marcus Bingham's foot. It's not as bad as the. 2015-16 era for Michigan basketball where yeah like Albrecht, Levert, but it's just stinks last year they uh didn't have Franz to start the season and then Livers went out. Livers yep. played again, got hurt got again. Hurt, yeah. Then they are finally healthy near the end of the season. They're playing well. COVID cancels it. They're full strength most of this year. Missing <laughs> Mainly yeah. Brooks for one game. They look so good, full strength, and then to have it happen now just stinks. Kind of um, reminds me of 2013-14 Michigan State, where like they started out healthy with Appling, Harris, Payne, Dawson, and Costello, and Valentine coming off the bench. And the only player from that team, like bench included, who played every single game was Denzel Valentine because players were like just in and out of the lineup so often. I didn't even mention the year before. McGarry missed almost yeah, the whole McGarry. year. Yeah, I think Michigan like switched like trainers or something. Like Beeline made a change after the 14, 15, 16 yeah, season. Because that was just a slew of bad runs. Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, but, I, I don't have too much to get to. So if you have any like. No, um, I was thinking next Monday, maybe Tuesday, we'd record our next episode. Yeah, we'll have hopefully an NCAA tournament field to look at. So much. <laughs> news will come out between now and then you have the whole big 10 tournament you have selection sunday it'll be a lot of fun how good um, is it gonna feel to watch selection sunday it's gonna feel good yeah i might be sweating a little bit just not knowing where michigan state's gonna end up dropping but i'm looking at loyal marymount who depending on the <laughs> numbers you look at are either a top 10 or a top 20 team the bracket matrix has them at eight or nine. There's Chicago. Michigan has a lot of alumni in Chicago. I think just from a TV perspective, they're going to put them as the eight, nine in Michigan's bracket. That might be Eli Brooks' first game back. They're a lot better than yeah. eight or nine seed. So that's what has me sweating. I have a feeling <laughs> if Appalachian State gets it, I think Appalachian State's in. I feel like they're just gonna like throw them at Michigan as the one sixteen matchup. Not that Michigan would lose. Well, when Mi- I look forward to that. all the wonderful tweets I will read when Michigan's down five to two against App State before destroying <laughs> them by thirty. Uh, that will be that's a lot best, of fun. That's for the best me. part of March Madness. Yeah, the <laughs> I actually am usually pretty good about staying off Twitter during March yeah, Madness. Yeah, no, I, I, I just I, enrages me. Same. Uh, but if you do want to follow us on Twitter, we're at. Uh, at Paul Bunyan Pod, uh, Facebook, The Paul Bunyan Podcast. You can email us at thepaulbunyanpodcast at gmail.com. Rate us on Apple Podcasts and whatever pod feed catcher you listen to. Provide social proof that you not only listened but enjoyed us. Uh, I know we only have one video on the YouTube. If I ever have some free time, I will be sure to upload some more on there, especially takes where I end up looking stupid. Uh, (laughs) A future video could be me saying we beat Michigan beats Appalachian State by 30 and Michigan loses to them. That will be a lot of fun. (laughs) That would be Quite, <laughs> quite the turnaround. And yeah. also make sure to shop Farbar at uh, far-ebar.com. And if you want to hear Joe's other M. Night Shyamalan takes, you can listen to uh, <laughs> Beards for Radio. Radio. Him and Sasha have a lot of fun talking sports and uh, in pop culture on there. They're kind of on uh, Bill Simmons' corner. A lot less <laughs> Patriots or Celtics talk, though. Very, very little. Patriots so that, that, that that's talk. a lot more fun. but uh, until next time i think we're good i think so thanks for listening to the paul bunyan podcast go blue go green and nothing in between